1: It always seems impossible until it's done. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave woman is not she who does not feel afraid, but she who conquers that fear. The greatest glory in living lies not in never failing, but in rising every time we fall. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same nelson mandela hello and welcome to just make the thing a podcast of people like me who want to start a thing and keep on making it i'm your host claire Tonty And today I'm joined by Chanel Luchev, my yoga teaching kick-ass lawyer friend who is back from visiting her homeland in South Africa. And boy, has she done some thinking and learning along the way. We talked through the value of taking time out of your life and among many things, her perspective on apartheid, which was only abolished in 1994 and was the reason her parents left to come to Australia in the first place. This episode made me grateful for so many things, for Chanel's friendship, for different perspectives, for living in a place like Australia where I'm never afraid to speak my mind and hear from different perspectives from others as well. I'm also just grateful for my family and my friends and talking to Chanel made me really want to unplug, go and sit on a beach somewhere and play dominoes with my son. In the time we are living in now, I reckon now more than ever we need to listen to each other and hear and learn from history. So here we go, an episode about travel and perspective and visiting your homeland. We are here on a Sunday afternoon. I'm feeling a little precious because last night I went to a hen's and also at an engagement party.
2: And I'm feeling a little tired because I drove out to a place that's past Druin. Which for anyone
1: who's not from America, from Australia, where am I from? I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. It's all very confusing today. That's a long way in the middle of nowhere.
2: Yes. It was a place called Ripple Brook because my friend got married. And no, it is not where the hobbits live because that's what I thought. It sounds
1: like the place where the hobbits Mm, live. mm. But instead, there's a lot of hippies that smoke a lot of pot. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And it's just wide open. It's beautiful wide open space. You can see all the stars and stuff. It's amazing. (sighs) But it is quite the drive. So I'm Mm. feeling a little fatigued. Also, I think I might still be jet lagged. Yeah. When did you actually land back? Monday morning, like last Monday morning. Okay. So technically it's been a week and I should just just shut up my pie hole. No. Whatever that means. That's still and a, just, long, but it's you know. been a long
1: time. Have you been back? You have been back to work Yeah. Wow. Well. Yeah.
2: I went Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday. I left a bit early because I wasn't feeling particularly well. But um, yes, I was back at work. I also had um, a birthday on Thursday. So – I was celebrating the anniversary of a birthday cuz I've decided I'm going to be 32 forever. Huh? Forever. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I'm just not going to get any older.
1: Okay. Do, have you lost your mind. <laughs> like when you went traveling, have you is your has your mind yeah, just gone?
2: Maybe. I don't know. I just feel like my boss, was, my boss said to me, because that's one of the smartest things that you can do. And he said to me, I decided that a long time ago. He said, but then my mind started cash. my mind started writing checks that my body couldn't cash or something like that.
1: I see. Like at 32, you can do yoga on the beach in yeah. all kinds of wild and amazing places, which if you haven't seen Chanel's Instagram, you should go and check it out because it's really cool. She's doing yoga in all kinds of places. Um, so all in all, how
2: was the trip? It was bloody awesome, just so awesome. And if I have one feeling about it, Mm -hmm. is that I am insignificant. Okay, Chanel's doing this thing with her fingers.
1: I feel like she's just had some kind of transcendental moment. Ah, Um, What was that? No, you've legitimately decided to stay 32 forever
2: and she's lost her mind. Okay, no, explain to me what that
1: meant. Okay. I love that idea.
2: So everyone always says whenever you travel, it gives you some perspective. Certainly. Even so. if it's something like as small as look at the way other people live and you realize that your life and the aspirations that you have and what you consider to be normal is also just a social construct. mm Completely. I totally get that. You know, so you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I should – This is these are the things I should have. And then you go somewhere else and they're like, we don't have any of those things, but we yeah. have some of these things. And so you think, oh, actually, life can be lived in so many in a variety of different ways. I mean, obviously, you know that as an adult, but then it kind of is reinforced when you mm. see it. Completely. You're in it. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that I realized was, and being out in nature, I think something about that, is like – um, especially in Africa in particular, is possibly one of the most visually impressive places I've ever been to. And I've traveled a fair bit. There's beautiful coastline and there's this extraordinary mountain just that, that a city is sort of like surrounds, which is just incredible. Um, there is beaches and national parks that are just extraordinary. And so... Um, we went to this ca- these caves that were like thousands of years old and you're like all of this stuff existed, like pre-existed me like thousands and thousands of years ago. You know when you kind of like people measure things in B.C. and A.D.?
1: Yeah.
2: I kind of get lost sometime around A.D. But even then when something is like trying to contemplate that something is like, for example, there was a, a a one of those rock, Formation, yeah, they're like the stalactites
1: and stalactites yeah. and the tights are the ones that hang down from the roof. Correct. That's the only thing I remember from biology. Yes,
2: exactly. The mites are mighty so they go up high and the tights are the ones that hang down, I think. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, anyway, so the guy was pointing out a stalactite in this cave that was thousands of years old and he was like, this one is relatively new. It's only 11,000 years old. Holy moly. You're like, know, how old? I don't, and your brain starts to try and do the maths and I'm bad at maths to start with. But you kind of realise the world existed for so long before I entered it. Oh, 100%. You know, yes. and will yes. we'll be there well after I am, you know, returned back to the earth or yeah. back to the back Potentially to the 32 exactly. when you die at 32. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the 50th anniversary of my 32nd birthday. Yes, certainly. Um, Looking this is fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Then I was like, I'm quite insignificant in the scheme of things. And there's something comforting about that. Totally. Which sounds
1: weird. Like you don't matter at all. (laughs) And it's real comforting. (laughs) But I think it's because all the minutiae of our days, Mm. like I was talking about this with someone else, that everything matters, but nothing matters. Mm -hmm. Because your actions and all of the things that you do in your life can change things. But ultimately, you are a tiny, tiny part of a huge story Mm -hmm. of a planet.
2: A hundred percent, like
1: a tiny, tiny fraction.
2: And I think, uh, especially where I live and the job that I do, I'm very city centric, and I'm living in a society—at least where I am physically—where human beings control their environment and their outer universe. You're like, I'm going to get coffee now. I'm going to w- walk to work now. I'm going to sit on my computer. I'm going to do my work, sort of thing. Then you go out into nature, and then all this stuff just exists. And you're purely an observer in mm. this thing that is life. Like, it just do you know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, even when I went on this, pardon the pardon the crassness. By the way, I just swore at the microphone. Don't worry, I'm
1: swearing all the time. That's
2: we we, <laughs> we did this hike thing. It was meant to be a like a family friendly trail. Mm. Either. I am not family friendly or they're lying to me. One of the two. But it was across the coastline and I was like, I was thinking to myself as I was doing it, um, if one giant wave came along and just took me out, that would be the end of me. And then the sea would continue to exist. Do you know what I mean? Yes,
1: that is terrifying. And I'm like,
2: I am just something small in the entirety of the universe. That is just crazy. And it's kind of like, stop worrying about stuff that is ridiculous because yes stupid spreadsheets because life is fleeting and you are I mean I don't know everyone's think they're important and I guess to some degree just to people I am important but to the world I'm nothing but it's a good feeling I know it sounds very nihilistic but I completely (laughs) get what
1: you mean I completely get it because I've been reading Bill Bryson's, um, a short history of everything recently Mm and here's Bill Bryson. There's a a wonderful analogy that he says where he talks about the entire history of the world. So Mm -hmm. from the very beginning, however, it started big bang or whatever Mm -hmm. to now. And if you think of it as a man with his hands or a woman, because mm-hmm. we're living in mm-hmm. 20, 2018, mm-hmm. with a woman with her hands above her head stretched right up really tall, mm-hmm. right? And that's the entire like history of the planet. The time that human beings, not even just us, but human beings have existed on this planet is the size of your little fingernail. Oh, my goodness. So when you think about it like that, Mm. like it is so crazy that human beings think that we are the center of this whole planet Mm. and this whole universe. And when realistically, we are just like not even the size of a fingernail's worth of time of this planet. And most likely, you know, we're one little fraction of what will continue to be a much larger story. Yes. Which is, it's sort of terrifying, but also makes you grateful to even just be here yep. to experience it. Yep. And then makes the stuff in your life that is hard and exhausting and scary and stressful seem much less important. Or takes the power away from Oh, it absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I was um when we were in Zimbabwe, we were we went to the victoria falls i so wanted to go which is just incredible like they're kilometers long and they're one of the seven wonders of the world and the water everything is just powerful like there's just power if you are not a particularly religious person um or a spiritual person even there you can you have to like you can't help but feel like if there is God, this is God. Or do you know yes, what I mean? Yes. This is God's work. If this if I'm if I'm ever going to believe something like this is this so is much it. greater than what man can contemplate. And I was just like I was looking at the waterfall and then the river around it. And I was like this thing gives life and it perpetuates life and it takes life and it is life. That's just, it's just so impressive. It's so impressive to me that I don't know, something and, and and it's kind of like it serves its purpose in the universe as well. I think with human beings we're constantly trying to contemplate who we are and what we should be and what we should do and how to live and trying to change ourselves and the people around us and the world around us and then there's then there's these things that just operate the way that they're meant to and it's just like so much more impressive than humans. I don't know. Do I sound ridiculous? No, you don't. You
1: don't sound ridiculous (laughs) at all. No, I just wanted you to keep
2: talking. (laughs) It was just totally, um, extraordinary and because we were driving, we did this massive road trip, right? So we went to Zimbabwe, then we went to Botswana and we did this amazing safari and we saw animals in their natural habitat as well. Um. The circle of life, if you will. Nah, the Venya, Baba Dzi Baba. So was everyone seeing
1: the circle of life? <laughs> no, they
2: weren't. I wish they were. They but might. they weren't. Um, and then we did this road trip um from in South Africa, from the Eastern Cape to the Western Cape, and everywhere we were driving, we we're like, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Wow, that's really beautiful. Oh my goodness, isn't that beautiful? And you just like all this stuff exists. Mm. Whether I'm here or not, that's crazy. I mean, it, obviously, but it's still crazy. Yeah,
1: and that's one part of the world too. Yeah, it's yeah. one part.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's
1: amazing.
2: So it was great. I had a wonderful time. Gorham was very patient with me because I was directing and he was driving and I kept stuffing up the GPS. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah.
1: What was it like travelling back to your homeland?
2: Um, Yeah, pretty – I had this real sense of, like, calm. Mm. Yeah. Like, things made sense. I just felt comfortable immediately. Um, Even places that I'd never been to before, I just did. Wow. Sort of, yeah, I just had a sense of calm. And um, when we were with my family, it was just kind of like – we hadn't seen them. Obviously, I hadn't seen them in a really long time, but it was just like yesterday. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Like no, no time had passed. And- yeah.
2: And mm. I think, I mean, I mean I guess part of me was a little bit worried about um, how Gorham was going to be amongst such a sort of big group of people and they can be a bit full on. And um, no, it was wonderful. It was, just, it was just amazing. Yeah, my family's great we stayed with my cousin and she was just so lovely and they were so accommodating. And, the, um, like, the kids are just such beautiful people, incredibly polite, very articulate.
1: How did they do it?
2: I don't know. I want to
1: ask them. Well,
2: like, my cousin's son. So is that my second cousin?
1: I have no idea. I always have issues with this first, second something. I don't know.
2: Anyways, he's 12. And Mm -hmm. so he went to say hello to Goran and he shook his hand. Oh, so cute. But then he also said, pleased to meet you, sir. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. I was like, who's he talking to? (laughs) That guy. This guy, this gangly looking fella, this tall drink of water. What? Yeah, it was very, it was just, yeah. And they're just really smart and just yeah very artistic Mm. um there's art all over their houses and um yeah it was just amazing it was so good it was so nice to see family again and um my cousins are all really sort of really successful incredibly lovely people very generous and warm and um yeah it was just it was just nice to be home do you know what i mean Wow, that's so, it's so interesting you say that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because, I mean, ostensibly you've lived your life here.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah. 100%. This is my home, but that is my home as well. Yeah. And the, so the interesting, the other interesting thing was traveling. This has probably been the first trip I've done where I have realistically thought I could live somewhere else in the world. Wow. Yeah, not that I'm sort of planning on moving anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, you soon. can't
1: leave. We have to podcast. Yes, it's
2: true, <laughs> it's true. Um, but but it was. I think it was more just a matter of. Um, I was looking at other family relationships and the way that other people did things, and I was like, differences are good. It's good to see them and be around them because it gives you some perspective about what is truly important. Mm. Um,
1: what do you think is truly important?
2: I think, I think being around people that are going to support you, and also are going to lift you up, and that who you can learn from. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like live their lives with a like, with just a sense of um, integrity and dignity, and humility, and um are loving yeah mm. I don't know yeah like do you think that
1: comes with being awake in their own life does that do you know what I mean by mm, that yeah like being present
2: yep I mean I think so my cousins uh who we stayed with and spent most of our time with primarily like they've had a I didn't realize how difficult their upbringing was like they had a happy childhood but I mean it was really hard and you forget that the political system of apartheid was not like has not been um, abolished for that long yeah do you know what I mean it wasn't Mm. that long ago and people are still dealing with the consequences and probably will into the future for quite some time Mm. and um so They have a real appreciation for being independent and being able to take care of themselves and their parents and um, their kids and teaching their kids good values and not necessarily um, sort of um, being particularly wealthy or you know what I mean, financial kind of success, but how to be a good person. Mm. I think the thing that I notice is these kids are sort of anywhere between, you know, maybe 10 and like twenty, They're just so loving towards their parents. And all I could think was like, oh, man, if I have kids like that, I'll be just the happiest person in the world. Yeah. Because they just, they're, even though um, obviously all families have, no family is perfect, but they're very connected, you know, I don't know. It was just really sweet to see. Yeah. Do you think it's because
1: they've realised that from the circumstances that they've grown up in, that what is most important is that love the people that are in your family, yeah. and they they're, they feel grateful, or lucky to have them. Yeah, around I think so.
2: Yeah, I think so. What What
1: was so difficult about growing up for them?
2: Um, do you think so? Um. Well. When they were kids, so when they were kids, apartheid existed. So being not white people um, and not white children, they could only go to certain neighbourhoods, they could only go to certain schools. that curriculum only taught certain subjects to people of different races. Really? Yeah, you I didn't know that. I re- Actually, does. when I was over there, I read a book too, which helped Understood. solidify it yeah. a little bit for me. Um, and so... Um, and so even though they were given given the opportunities they could be given it's still you you already start of a, you start from a place of disadvantage mm. and so it's like this uphill battle and so the fact that they've all done so well for themselves is just like it's just incredible it's so impressive i didn't um, I don't know. Sometimes you sort of get stuck in your own head and you're like, why is my life so hard? It's just so hard for <laughs> me. I know. <laughs> but yeah. I learned the same subjects that everybody else from every other, you know what I mean, from yeah, every like other race the learnt when I was a child. Yeah. yeah. They went like, okay, little girl, now you go into this classroom and we're, gonna, we're only going to teach you these subjects because that's all you'll need to know because you'll only ever be able to apply for these particular jobs. What kind of subjects? Um, if I had the book, I would... I would tell yeah. you but so for example I mean a lot of my um parents did professional jobs like um and family members nursing and teaching and things mm. like that but um my understanding is they didn't want to teach things like science
1: or maths
2: or philosophy yeah possibly maths to certain groups of people and then the people that were like the black people were like taught basic like agricultural stuff because they were like what's the point in educating you you're just going to be
1: farm workers yes
2: exactly wow which is extraordinary like it's just it just shocks me and it's not that long ago yeah so um I mean I think by the time a few of my cousins were at school things had certainly started to change but as the as I'd mentioned before like when you're starting from a place of disadvantage, you're always kind of just a little bit behind. You've got to work a little bit harder mm. to get to where other people are kind of, that's naturally where their base is. Yeah. Um,
1: mm. I I listened to an episode of Oprah mm-hmm. um, and uh, she talked about this thing called the black tax.
2: Oh, yeah. Have you? Did yeah. you hear that episode? Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. And I had never even, I just hadn't heard that kind of phrase before, but... Um, you you'd probably understand it a lot better than me but just that idea that you're starting further back mm. so you have even though technically now say living in Australia I think about it with indigenous kids too technically you've got all the same you know opportunities that everybody else has yeah but if your family or your grandparents weren't educated or lived in poverty or were forced like in Australia to live on government reserves mm-hmm. you've got a lot of you don't You naturally have either a lot of trauma passed down through generations mm-hmm. and lack of education passed down, or at just like curled up on your lap. <laughs> and... She's just
2: having a stretch now, she yeah. Yeah. is. No, no, 100%. Is that kind um, of what you're Yeah, you mean? yeah. So, I think um, if your previous generations are suffering um, and they or have suffered. When the next generation comes along and they're trying to improve the quality of their life, they also have to spend a significant amount of time and energy and resources making the life of their previous generations better. So you can never fully invest in yourself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And Whereas if you are born into a family where your parents are educated, they're financially comfortable and they're settled and you know, that sort of thing, then all you need to think about really is how to make – how to improve your life and how to make a future for yourself as opposed to worrying about your parents and your parents' parents and or your cousins and or, you know. Yeah. So Mm. your resources are kind of going – your energy is being diverted outwards. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to help other people, but I think there's a difference between it being a choice – and it being an obligation.
1: Yeah. Like it's on you to lift up your family.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Like bring that, through that opportunity you've been given, you're yeah. walking with 20, 30 other people yeah. or you're helping them. I know it's not the same, but my dad left school when he was 16 for a while to work because his family just needed mm-hmm. money. So he would send home and he's he ended up with a PhD and, mm-hmm. you know, Dean of a university. But- mm-hmm he just had to, then family needed money. So yep. he would he dropped out and just sent money home. And so we, growing up, he never wanted us to feel like that. So anything we ever wanted monetarily wise, I mean, not that we'll spoil, but he would just make sure it yeah. happened because I think, and even through his life, he always had that. He was always kind of thinking about us, but also thinking about his own family, where he's come from in his life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the same extent, obviously, but- kind of, it makes you feel so grateful.
2: Yeah. How did how did, has it made you view your parents differently? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um I mean, I guess I kind of you always know that your parents make a sacrifice when they have you. Mm. Because it, they're making a choice to be selfless. You know, mm. like every good parent realizes it's no longer about me anymore. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Um but I think that um, I mean look and I and I don't want to speak out of turn because I think in many ways also my cousins and family had a very loving upbringing. there was like my grandmother had lots of kids and so they always had friends around and the kids had kids and so there was always people around to love you. yeah, love you, yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> but love you and take care of you yeah
1: yeah and be connected yeah in that's a huge isn't that a huge thing it's that connectedness yeah, yeah.
2: um so in that sense they were very rich in their, their lives were very rich mm. and they were very fulfilled in that sense but in terms of not wanting for anything and not need like not needing anything that was not the case for them so um
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Comes with uprooting your entire family and moving them to a completely different country. With a different culture. Where, I mean, yes, people speak English in South Africa, but... um, the education system is different. The mm. political system is different. Um, geographically, it's different. The mm. racial, the blend of different, like, races and cultures is different. It's just, it's like, because um, the thing is, our generation, especially in Australia, we're very lucky. If we were to move countries, it's to seek out opportunities, but we're usually pretty comfortable. It's kind of mm. like, oh, this thing has come along. This is amazing. I should try it. Yeah. Whereas, my family were like, this is unsafe and I'm worried about my kids, so I need to leave. So it's not necessarily I have all this freedom of choice. Yeah. Um, and so it's very – I'd imagine it would be so scary with young children. Mm-hmm. Even when you have – I mean, they moved in, and my aunts and uncles, there were people here, but still, it's still a scary thing yeah. to do. Um, even things like the value of the – Dollar to the rand, you build a you know you you've spent this spend your energy and time and and you work to build a life for yourself and then you move countries and they're like your money is only worth a fraction of what it was. Oh my goodness! And your degrees yeah. too, because yes. mm-hmm. your parents both had degrees. Yeah, I mean, I think luckily enough, um, they were able to both teach, but it's still difficult getting into. Um, a different education system. Mm. Kids are different. The curriculum is, as, as I said, the curriculum is different. Teaching is looked at differently. So, mm. yeah, it would have been bloody hard work.
1: Mm. Yeah, why did some of the family stay? Was that a choice?
2: Um. Yeah, I think so. I mean, my aunt, so my eldest aunt still lives there, so... If I was to hazard a guess, I'd say Shh. they were so settled and the kids were probably older and it would have just been a bit harder. Yeah. And my my uncle, who was the youngest, also stayed. So for him, I think life was very different for him growing up as it was for my um, – as opposed to my aunt growing up. Mm. So for him, um, I think his experience of things would have been very different. Yeah. So – Like did your parents leave when apartheid was still a thing? Um, Yeah, but the rules that – so the system sort of started crumbling Mm. and by the time it was abolished, a lot of the stuff people were just ignoring. Okay. Um, It was – I mean, I think from memory, I think a lot of it was to do with opportunity but also safety. Mm. Um, If you can imagine when there are people that have an abundance and there are people that have nothing – your regard for the law yeah, <laughs> and the rules kind of changes. Yeah. So theft was a big thing there um, and to some degree still is. Um, there are people still living in poverty, lots of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think it's probably a whole range of reasons, but, but part of it is, they wanted a better life for themselves and for their kids and they probably just wanted to feel safe. Like I think the thing that I that always hammers home to me when family come to visit Australia is they're like, you guys can walk around at night time in this, like in the street and it's safe. Wow. What? That's weird. Like why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, we're so safe here. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, I felt perfectly safe but then again – Sometimes you're sort of taken aback by the the security at places you would think, you wouldn't think you would need security guards, but they just are. Mm. Because crime exists, it's a very real thing. And it's, I mean, like even, so my cousin was telling me, I think somewhere between 10 and 15% of the actual population, the entire population of South Africa are the ones that pay taxes. So if you can imagine Mm. just slightly more than a 10th supporting an entire entire country. country. Oh my god! Whereas here we're paying forty percent tax. Yeah. Um, income tax. Then we also pay GST. Then we also pay other duties, and so. Yeah, and most people have to or do. Yes. Well, I mean, at the very least, if you're not, if you don't have an income, if you're buying things, then you're paying, you're paying GST. GST. Yeah. So absolutely. you are you you would have to pay some tax. Um. So trying to. I mean, there's also been a lot of corruption in government as well Mm. um, over there. So um, trying to change the um, financial direction and like trying to gear towards prosperity is a lot harder Mm. when you have people in power that are only out for themselves. I mean, in all of the countries where there's corruption, you often hear about... (laughs) Well, it's just you like, can hear any sort of yawning okay. and sniffling and sighing, it's not me, it's a it's podcast just, dog. It's literally wrapped itself around <laughs> Um, Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I just, I think, yeah, you come back to Australia, you realise how lucky you are. I really do. Everything, mm. I mean, when we were over there, the value of the rand of the dollar was 10 to 1. Wow. So it was just kind of crazy everything was cheap, but it was cheap by our standards. Yeah. Um, but, um, and, and I think, um, comparatively, if you're a working professional in South Africa, you can actually, it's, it's easy to earn a very, like a good living and you can acquire assets and accumulate wealth probably a bit more easily than you can in Australia. But Mm. there's just certain things that are incomparable. Like you can't get, You can't just get safety. (laughs) No, you can't be like, I "I have a million
1: dollars (laughs) now. Give me all the safety. I mean, I guess you can buy like bars on your windows. But you can't buy walking down the street by yourself and feeling safe.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And the peacefulness, I guess, that we are lucky enough to have here is pretty amazing too.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm. I think... um which is why sometimes i get a bit annoyed when i read the paper or i listen to the news or oh so much complaining there's complaining and also like a real perception of danger yeah. but australia is actually such a safe country when you mm. compare it to other countries and victoria is incredibly safe so yeah. when you see all these inflammatory headlines like Thugs doing it again. Oh, Sudanese, um, r- like, you know, gangs are taking over Victoria. Yeah. There's it's... a problem with the youth. The youth are out of control, you know. Yeah, yeah. They aren't really. <laughs> not
1: not, comparis- yeah. not comparatively.
2: Like, go to yeah. another country and see the youth out of control. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
2: Um, <laughs> I wanted
1: to ask you too, because I know you said they had a lot of art in their house, mm. your family. Mm-hmm. What did you see from a creative perspective oh. in South Africa in um, terms of music and art and writing? And-
2: um, so, yeah, quite a few of the kids have, um, go, are going in artistic directions. So one of my cousins, she works in fashion. She's her... business partner is like a pattern maker. Mm. So they make clothes from end to end, which is pretty amazing. Like they come the someone comes to them with a concept, they design the pattern, then they like manufacture it, it, essentially. Oh wow. It's pretty cool. Um and then my other cousin, my other cousin's kid, he's he paints a lot and he's really good. Like a lot of portraits and things, Mm. and then some abstract stuff. And um they have this beach house. that's probably about two hours drive, and that's honestly the furthest thing away from anything because everything else in Cape Town is twenty minutes away. Yeah. You want to go to the city? Twenty minutes. You want to go to the beach? Twenty minutes. You want yeah. to go to the mountains? <laughs> it's twenty minutes. Yeah. So when they when they're like, "Did you get much traffic? No, we didn't. Like, not not really. No, <laughs> we yeah. live in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, they have this beach house. that's about two hours away, and the, it's just it's next to this was I think it's like one of the longest white sand beaches in the hemisphere or something like that one of those incredible statistics and it's beautiful like clean and just extraordinary the beach house has no internet it has no television so the kids they paint and they draw oh. and they play cards I play dominoes oh so I've fun. played dominoes since I was a kid yeah. And they just talk to each other. It's kind, It's so funny. Like you kind of, you remove all those distractions and then, I just wonder if that's part of the reason they're so bonded because they actually are spending time together as a fam- family. Yeah,
1: and it's actual time. It's yeah. not time in the proximity of each other on yes. the phone. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or watching Netflix or something.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I just wonder if that's kind of part of it as well. So they... So because those distractions are removed, all they can do is create. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And I was like, I spend way too much time on my phone. Way too much time
1: oh, on my phone. Oh, so do I. So <laughs> do I. And it's a waste of time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, You're just flipping around looking for little notifications. Yeah. Or like, yeah, it's oh, really... Notifications
2: are the worst. I think I can to turn all of mine off.
1: Oh, I know. I've so I've said this over and over again. But I really want to get rid of my phone. I want to get a Nokia. Yeah,
2: yes, with the snake game. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I really do because it does. It sucks up your creativity. Mm. I read a quote the other day about how being bored is a good thing, and mm. as kids, being super bored means that yeah, all you can do is get so frustrated that you have to make stuff Mm. (laughs) because there's nothing else you can do but then you're i think that's good for our brains Mm. and good for our hearts and good for our connection like
2: and it makes you deal with all the shit that you're trying to ignore
1: yeah because you're present
2: yeah you have to it's like now you've got your head and you've got nothing else to distract you Mm. so now it's time to contemplate the things that Actually, matter. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So, did you notice then that they were less in their phones and, for the most part, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, everyone there still has smartphones, and um, my my cousins work incredibly hard, so there's a lot of technology in the house. One of them, uh, a few of them, own their own businesses, and so they work from home, and so there is internet and all sorts of things. But um. Then there's also a lot of, I mean, look, and it's hard to say, right? Because when you're traveling somewhere and you're visiting family and they want to see you, it's not the most natural of environments because they want to know about you and what's happening in your life. And so they're not going to be like, hold on a second. I'm just going to sit here on my phone. That's very
1: true. You kind of get to see their best foot forward. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And there's a lot to catch up on, you know. So um, it's hard to tell. But, um, yeah, I think... I mean, I I certainly think the kids are very open with conversation, though probably a bit more so
1: than our kids.
2: Yeah, and it's I, it's I think it's just literally because they they play together and they kind of need to do something to pass the time. So. Yeah, <laughs> so they talk. Yeah. <laughs> So they do this thing yeah. called talking
1: yeah talking and drawing and creating and painting and yeah hanging out playing dominoes yeah that's so mindful dominoes actually
2: yeah I didn't realize how much strategy was involved until I lost several games <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it yeah. was it was pretty amazing I mean I think um how did how did you go with Goran
1: being there with you two as a couple did that was that ever an issue or was it fine
2: no, it's fine. I mean, I think everyone's always, or you always worry, like, is my family going to like this person that I've chosen to commit myself to yeah, for the rest yeah. of my life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the ship that. has sailed. <laughs> yeah. But he just makes himself comfortable, like, at home, mm. I think. So, and he kind of just goes with the flow. He's quite relaxed about stuff. And I think that makes it so much easier. Mm. If he was like me, <laughs> like, if I was dating, like, myself, even actually my friend's <laughs> partner was we were last night we we're on the car on the way home so our friend that got married she's like very much just free spirit a bit of a hippie and she's just like the calmest the calmest presence and he's like why are she friends with you two? Like me and my other friend. She's like, you guys are so uptight. We're like, no, we're not.
1: <laughs> How could you say that? We're not uptight at all. I've, made, I've got a spreadsheet and a list of reasons why I'm not. And I'm working on being calm.
2: I demand you to refute all the reasons that I've listed here. Exactly. Look at all the things that I've achieved in my pursuit of calmness. <laughs> so many.
1: I oh, know. Uh, oh yeah but you do that's but that's the thing though you don't life would be boring if all you did was hang out with yourself Hi, oh, oh, chanel yes chanel you're great i know i am great we're both really anxious <laughs> the world's coming to an end <laughs> oh god <laughs> i know i know you, you want to be with someone who compliments mm. you and is different to you
2: yeah He. um i mean i think also um we got to spend a bit of time together and so and we because we would hired a car we kind of we could come and go as we needed to, which I yeah. think helps a lot. Yeah. Um, but my cousins are young and they're quite um, – well, they're all very friendly people and they've all got interesting jobs and stories and that sort of thing. Um, but also just things like – so the we wanted to say thank you to them and we, we thought about taking them out for dinner, but instead we decided we'd cook. Oh, So – and that's
1: Goren's skill.
2: Yes, exactly. I was like, yeah. put the guy in the kitchen. Yeah, put <laughs> them in the kitchen. That's where they belong. It's <laughs> a <they're> new movement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we cooked a meal for all of my cousins, and they were just like so pleased. They're like, oh, he's handy, isn't he? Aww. Like, oh, you can keep him here, and you can go home. And I'm like, all right, come <laughs> down, <it." laughs> relax. <laughs> I mean, Aww. I think also Goran's got a, got this. Um, he has a real aptitude for treating children like humans, yeah. As opposed to like little kids, there's yeah. no no separation. He kind of just talks to them like they're people. Um, so I mean, I was never really worried. Um, I think the only thing I think I was the only thing I was a little bit concerned about was like sometimes my aunts and uncles can kind of revert into Afrikaans without realizing because it becomes part of the. Like d- vernacular. D- yeah, yeah. When they try to use a slang word and I'm like – and sometimes I'd sit there and laugh and then realise, wait a minute, he has to know what that word means. So, I'd, Yeah. We're, I mean, it was the same when I went to Croatia, although they pretty much only spoke that language. Yeah. And I was like, what is everybody saying? Yeah. And I think Goran got a bit sick of translating. He's like, just sit there and eat your biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, so it was so oh good. So it was nice, and, and yeah, I love that. No, so do you speak Afrikaans? Uh,
2: not really. I mean, my parent, my parents speak it, and I can understand a little bit of it. It's one of those things when people are speaking in their native tongue; they often speak a lot faster. So it's kind of like, what was that? What I didn't pick that up. Yeah, yeah. If I spoke really slowly, <laughs> With pictures and symbols, yeah, you'd be like, yeah, got yes, that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which no one does. Um, yeah, I probably would be able to. Yeah, but it's in- interestingly though, when we did travel a lot, people would just naturally speak to me in Afrikaans, and they assumed I knew what they were talking about.
1: Yeah,
2: and I was well. like, what?
1: <laughs> <It> Excuse <scores> me.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's your homeland. Mm, yeah, yeah, which was kind of an amazing thing to be able to share with Goran too, and
2: yeah, I no, just, it was good, yeah. It was really
1: good. Okay, so we're almost coming to the end. Mm, and yes. we could keep. We probably should do another episode. This yeah, because so I feel like
2: I have just all like or I want to ask you about your pottery. Oh and... my pottery! Yeah. <laughs> okay, well
1: before we finish, i got to fill you with a the okay, pottery. No. It's really not very exciting at all. However, I did start pottery, <laughs> I
2: and I Instagram don't know. Pictures. You,
1: <laughs> no. Oh god! And we could do a whole episode. No one else wants to listen to oh, no, I I about about it. Oh,
2: and I heard about the hot cross buns too. Oh
1: man! So <laughs> something amazing has happened. Um. Because I started the pottery thing, because I just got it in my head, I wanted to work with my hands and mm-hmm. do something mm-hmm. creative that wasn't anything connected with my job or anything else. Just for me to like process the fact that like I have no teeth in my face and it's all <laughs> been a full on time. So I went to this class and the class is like, it's just It's like a, it's like a whole lot of characters all in a room. And I kind of thought they might all be older women or, Mm -hmm. you know, experts or something, but they were like people my age and young, you know, younger and then older and all people experiencing all different things from Mm -hmm. divorce to just having stressful jobs. They wanted something, an outlet to Mm -hmm. like a guy who's been doing it with his wife for like, you know, 20 years. And that's just this thing they do together now. But what was really fascinating to me about it in a studio behind this lady's house, and she's been doing it for 30 years, was that people are so, you can just fall down a rabbit hole of something, whether it's pottery or gardening or cooking Mm -hmm. and I've never really done that because I never had that kind of natural bent to like stay with one thing mm-hmm. and then learn everything about it mm-hmm. and follow it down all the way. Isn't it
2: like, doesn't it take like
1: 10,000 hours to be an expert yeah, or something? exactly. And so I, I'm i just loving doing it because I, I'm learning not only just about about like the whole how to use the wheel and how physical it is and... The knack of it, what I'm really learning about is how to make something and how it doesn't really matter what the end product is. Mm-hmm. It's the process that mm-hmm. you're going through mm-hmm. and that, you know, even something like pottery I've learned is, you know, it's been integral to human beings for thousands of years mm-hmm. and that's how they, you know, date particular civilizations. Mm-hmm. But there's just so many kind of interesting techniques and I'm not doing it for any purpose. Yeah. Like, Traditionally, everything I've ever done has always been because I want to do it for an end result, like music. <laughs> so for
2: giggling. She's like
1: licking. <laughs> she's you licking some.
2: my legs. Sorry, my she's okay. so gross. Right, keep um, going. <laughs> no, no. And so, yeah.
1: rather than making something for making something's sake, I've always been like, well, I'm making, I'm doing this music so that I can go and perform it in a band because yeah. I really care about it and that's what I love to do. So I have all this pressure heaped up on my music or writing. Mm-hmm. Or the podcast, well, there's a lot of, cause that's my job now. So mm-hmm. I really want it to be good. And so I've got all this pressure, but what kind of happens when you do something just for making it's sake, it's so calming. Mm-hmm. And then what also happens is it opens up this whole other part of you where you start to apply that same thing to other areas of your life, like I've since starting pottery, I've really got into gardening again and oh, like the cooking, the hot cross buns. And I mean, they were terrible. So you're kind of taking
2: pleasure in just doing something just for the sake of it. making things like sort of taking my own advice
1: yeah. <laughs> and just making yeah, I know. I
2: really decided this
1: podcast for myself. Sorry, anyone else is listening. Um, and then also just producing the podcast weekly and just not being so wrapped up in it having to be perfect, perfect. just making it for making it. Claire, a
2: perfectionist.
1: Really? Uh, No.
2: (laughs) I'm not a (laughs) perfectionist.
1: I never thought I was because I'm very messy, but I am in, but my mum said that too. I can be. And so it's nice to be doing something that is just, yeah, it just, And, and Elizabeth does say, Gilbert does say this in her, one of her books and I've found it to be true just through doing But if you're stuck making a thing or creating a thing or even a lot of people have started to use this podcast for personal something Mm -hmm. like development or they want to change something in power of their lives or whatever it is that you want to change and keep making. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: If you're stuck, go and do something else creative. Yep. Like go and bake a cake or try some baking hot cross buns or do some gardening. And what I've found then it is it unlocks things. So since starting all of those things, I've been starting to write. Again, really, and like journaling, and and I realized I sort of came to the realization that I love writing, and I have when I was a kid that was all I did and all I wanted to do, and I kind of I think and music I love music, but I the part I think I loved about music the most was the writing part of it, mm-hmm. and so writing and then also writing in on Instagram mm-hmm. and doing more Instagram is really I just like writing, and so all of that stuff but it's like starting the pottery open that part of my brain up That's again amazing. and took off the pressure so it's like a pressure valve it's like well and then also the detail in making things so you know you're not going to get it right like when i went to make the hot grass buns, i ran into the voler at the fruit shop this like old lady who's mm-hmm. in her 70s who's greek and I, she asked me, so I was buying some cardamom pods, what I was doing with them. And I said, oh, I'm making her sprints. And she said, oh, I make my Easter cake. And she went on about it. And she's like, oh, when, so have you ever made them before? I said, no. She's like, oh, well, they'll be terrible. The hot cross buns will be really bad, but don't worry. Next time, next time they'll be better. <laughs> and I and I left the fruit up and I was like, well, I'm going to show you, show you up. No, oh. I'm making these chocolate. they're going to be the best things ever. And they were terrible. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, full luck. Cause you've been doing this for like, yeah. you know, 50 years, making your Easter bread every year. Of course your bread gets better every year. That's why it's so good. It's not going to be good on the first attempt. And so normally Claire would just give up. But instead I'm making a tradition and I'll make those hot cross buns every year. Yeah,
2: good for you. you know, and that's give it awesome. a go, give it a
1: go every year and just see what
2: happens. So they'll become they'll turn from biscuits into rock cakes, into yeah. scones, into into
1: maybe some version of bread. Exactly. Eventually. And that's cool because it's a journey. It's not a thing. I'm often in a rush. I don't know yeah. if you experience that. I'm often in oh, a yeah. rush. I'm often like, I'm gonna start pottery and I'm gonna be the best potterer ever. Oh, and yeah. instead It's nice to do something. Rushing
2: is like the story of my life. (laughs) Yeah, But I think sometimes I just feel like I rush because I fill my life with maybe sometimes things that aren't super meaningful. Mm. It makes me busy. Mm. That's for damn sure. But then it means I have to rush through things. Yeah. And
1: there's the lasting joy in life, like the real good stuff is the stuff that takes time. Mm -hmm. And... You can't rush that stuff. No. You can't. There's no shortcuts to. Well, you real can't rush through you a relationship.
2: Do you know what I mean? No,
1: and people try and it always ends in a disaster. Oh, podcast uh, dog is on the she's move. She's had enough. She's seen Baby Sunday uh, going outside. <laughs> and <laughs> Hey, May! <laughs> he's so cute we can just <laughs> see him through the window oh that's my son um he's so beautiful but that's the thing and there's something really centering and calming about that idea that you you start something and you're going to keep making it for a long time like vula with her easter bread yeah and in 50 years vula will have be making that bread and have and be really good at it so i'm going to be vula i'm going to
2: Keep yeah. on making stuff for good the for joy you. of it. I'm so impressed that you have done it and stuck to it. And yes, still working through it. That's awesome. I also broke the pot that I
1: made this <laughs> one <laughs> on the way to pottery. I drew on it. I was so proud of it. And then it smashed in the car. But unlike other times where I would have given up, I was like, it's okay. I'll make another one. Yeah, good That's one. Something. Okay, so we should probably finish there. Okay. And we'll talk again soon.
2: But it's nice to have you back. Yeah, it's nice to be back. Yay. Yay.
1: Okay, bye. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make The Thing with me, your host, Claire Tonti, and the wonderful Chanel Luchev. To find more of Chanel, you can go to at Ben Yoga Melbourne where she's got lots of beautiful photos of her yoguring it up in South Africa. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Claire Tonti or on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies, and I like to tell a few stories over there, so head on over. You can also email the show at thingpod at gmail.com or to find more of our wonderful podcasts and more details about this show, you can go to planetbroadcasting.com on the webs, on the webs, on the, the worldwide web. I don't know. Go to the internet. That's where you need to find it. Okay. Also, if you're in Melbourne, definitely go and check out the Melbourne Comedy Festival. So many of our guys are performing and they're all wonderful. So head on over to our Planet Broadcasting site for a full list of all of our guys who are performing and a great timetable put together by the Royal Collings. And speaking of Royal Collings, thank you to him again for editing this show. So without him, it wouldn't happen. And uh, We're trying to drop around every Monday. So next week, Chini and I have a really cool uh, and exciting... Two guests on my show, the wonderful Luke McGregor and Sila Bacola. So look out for that dropping in your inbox um, or in your feed next week.
2: Okay. See ya. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at?